Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Tony and this is episode 118. I get to sit down today with author, speaker, and prophetic voice in the world today, Kim Moss. Kim has a brand new resource out that I can't wait for you to hear all about. She's got a word for us today about assignments and callings and what God is calling you to and what a prophetic voice looks like in the world today. I think you're going to love this conversation. And if you do love it, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button anywhere you listen to podcasts, leave us a rating or review on iTunes, and maybe even share this episode with a friend. It goes such a long way in helping others find the podcast. Hey, and if you didn't know, we are a part of the Spirit and Truth Podcast Network. It's a network of like-minded individuals helping each other advance the kingdom message. So to learn more about them and Spirit and Truth, check out their website, spiritandtruth.life. Now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Kim Moss. Everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited today to have Kim Moss with us. Kim is an author, a speaker, and a prophetic voice in the world today. Kim, thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. I'm I'm just so excited. I so love what you guys are doing. So, and anytime I can talk about my new book, I'm happy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And uh, Kim is a, a big fan of Spirit and Truth and and the podcast network and all the things that God's doing through that. But uh, Kim, y- your new book, The Way of the Kingdom, um, is really just hitting the stores. What's it like to release a book? Uh, in the midst of, or kind of maybe the tail end, hopefully, of a global pandemic. Yeah, wow. It has been an interesting thing. Um, anytime you write a book, it's like giving birth to a baby. It's like, you know, you you put your heart and soul into it. You put all of the things that you are discovering and learning about Jesus into it. And uh, and you labor in it. I You just really labor in it. And then it's done and it goes to editing and you, and you just, you just fuss over it and, and continue to labor over it. And then suddenly comes the day to release. And it, it really does feel like giving birth to this new thing. And, um, and in Mm. this very unusual time that we are in and a very historic moment, really very serious and sobering time, this particular book, um, I I have been uh, truly moved and amazed at how prophetic um, it is. I mean, I think that God also often brings things out of us, right, that are more prophetic than we realize. Like they are, they pertain to the time and the season. And we don't even know how much until we look back and we go, oh, my goodness, Lord, you were speaking through that. And uh, mm-hmm. and that's how it feels in this book. And I'm I'm. I'm anxious, uh, not in the bad way, but in the good way, anticipating um, for people to get this book into their hands because not because I'm so wonderful or because, you know, uh, it's not about any of that kind of thing. It's just that it's 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 such a word that will help you endure and understand really what is going on right now. And uh, so that's how that feels. It's sort of uh, it's. Uh, a little bit overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Uh, I, I think that there's probably a lot of people listening who are familiar with the term prophetic. And a lot of this book focuses on that. Um, I, I, and 
I, I'm wondering if you could kind of give us a picture of what does it mean to be prophetic? What does it mean to have a prophetic interpretation? And um, where does that kind of come from in our walk with faith? Because I, I know that there are a lot of people listening who read scripture and who know Jesus, but man, that, that may be a very unfamiliar term for them. Well, prophecy is, uh, is a gift of the Holy Spirit, of course, and the Holy Spirit is prophetic. I say that because the Holy, it, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would not only be our comforter, but that he would tell us of things to come and that he would remind us of who Jesus is and the things that he said and, um, and all of those things. So it's part of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's absolutely who the Holy Spirit is is as the third person of the Godhead. He is, mm. is God. And, um, and so when, when Jesus came and he died on the cross, he gave us salvation, which salvation, I think so many of us think is some kind of one time, you know, uh, uh, act, um, where we accept Christ as our Lord and savior, get born again. And it's true, but salvation is actually an ongoing work of sanctification in our life. I think many of your listeners will understand that and a work of sanctification. We are fully justified and we, our righteousness is from Jesus and Jesus is in us, making us a new creation. And then there's this ongoing work of sanctification. But all of that, uh, according to the new covenant, when we look at scriptures in the Old Testament, was a, is a preparation for us to then receive the poured out Holy Spirit. Jesus knew that he was going to die on the cross bring us, uh, remove the veil between us and the, and, and the father so that we would be reconciled to God. And then he was going to clothe us with power, empower us with the Holy spirit so mm -hmm. that we could, um, have the power to live, but we also would be empowered to be his witnesses and to be his witness means that we would be advancing the kingdom, bringing the proclamation of the gospel, demonstrating the gospel, proclaiming who Jesus is and, and what he has done and the ongoing and finishing the ongoing mission of Christ. We can't do that without the power of the Holy Spirit. But even beyond that, that there is a charismata. So there are gifts, there's, there are gracelets, there are, there are uh, empowerments of the Holy Spirit. One of those is prophecy. So the Holy Spirit in us, knows what's to come, understands the time and season, mm. what God is doing in that moment. And it can tell us about that. And so gives us really, uh, that's what prophetic wisdom and insight is. We can have insight according to the spirit, something revealed to us by the spirit that we can't find out on our own, in our own power, in our own strength, in our own uh, intellect, you know, uh, it doesn't matter our education, our age, our experience. Our, our good looks, <laughs> none of that, none of that will gain us the kind of insight we need to really walk with Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit gives us that. And that's part of the prophetic. It's not just, you know, I know that sometimes in the, in, uh, when we look at others in the charismatic portions of the church, you know, uh, they stand up and they start declaring stuff and they say things are going to happen. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Um, but really, uh, it's about the insight and the wisdom and the understanding that only the Holy Spirit can bring us. So for me, when I look at, for example, this book, I know uh, one of the reasons you asked me that is because I call this book a prophetic interpretation of uh, Matthew eleven twelve, from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. 
And um, I never divorce that interpretation from the actual study and exegesis of scripture, because we cannot Mm -hmm. claim that we are prophetic people and then just make scripture say whatever we want it to say. That's eisegesis. That's reading our attitude and understanding of what we think into scripture. The Holy Spirit carried men along to write the scripture, right? We know that from, from scripture itself. And, um, and so the Holy Spirit has something to say through scripture for the time of the people who are reading it uh, at that moment in history and for us in all times and seasons. And so um, that's how I see this, this book. It's a prophetic interpretation, meaning I'm looking at our times and season right now the things that we are going through right now. And then I'm taking scripture and I'm, and I'm exegeting scripture. I'm looking at the audience of that passage of scripture. I'm looking at the writer of that passage of scripture. I'm looking at the, at the principles that the Holy spirit has instilled in that scripture that are universal or that are situationally specific. And then I'm using that to bring out what does this mean for the time that we are living in? What are the insights prophetically as the Holy Spirit is revealing them for what we are going through right now. What motivates someone to write a book about a a prophetic interpretation that speaks to the culture that, uh, you know, I could, could be considered by some controversial. I, I don't know if I would say it like that, but it's, it's certainly bold. Right. There's a boldness to this writing that feels appropriate and good. But like, I I mean, did you wake up on a Tuesday and was like, okay, well, I'm going to just start to write about the culture and the kingdom of God. You know, here we go. (laughs) That's a great great (laughs) question. And and it can be controversial, you know, because um, because people see scripture and interpret scripture uh, in different ways. However, um, for me, as I. As I look around, one of the one of the ways that God uses me, and I would say prophetically, um, is that I I am built by the Lord in a way that I I am concerned about what's going on. I am concerned for mm-hmm. my family. I am concerned for my children and my grandchildren. I am a I am a mom of three grown children, and I have I have five grandchildren and one on the way. One of my grandchildren is going to be fifteen this month and i am concerned about what's happening in our culture i am i am uh more than concerned i am grieved by the division that i have seen in the church uh and i have been watching for many several years now um the progression of these things and i'm asking god in prayer constantly god what are you what are you saying about this what are you doing about this i know that in scripture Jesus said that as the people of God, we ought to be able to understand the time and the season. Not only that, um, mm. that, but as the people of God, we ought to understand that it is God that creates the times and seasons. He's always moving. He hasn't left us to our own here. He is always moving from the beginning of history to the end. We know the end of the story, but in the meantime, We are living in history, so we ought to know the ways of God and the ways of God with his people. Um, But according to Ecclesiastes, there's a time for everything. And even more than that, there is an appropriate response 
for what God is doing in a time and season. So we ought to be looking at everything we're going through and saying, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? So that we can join him in the work that he's doing, whatever, participate in the move of God. God is always moving. So we don't have to have a, you know, some people call that a revival where God is moving in an unusual and specific way. And I'm expecting that God is doing that right now. There's something new that's happening. Jesus is coming in a new way. What does that look like? How is he moving? And I don't mean in a new way. Let's get our scripture straight. There's nothing new under the sun. God is God works in certain ways with his people all the time. But um, Isaiah does say in Isaiah 43, 19, you know that God, God does a new thing. So behold, I'm doing a new thing. Forget the former things. I'm making a way in the wilderness. I'm bringing streams in the desert. So when he says, behold, yeah. you know, that word you do in the, uh, in the, in the Septuagint would mean look at the big picture. You know, don't be staring at the tree so close in a certain circumstance that you can't see the bigger picture of what I'm doing so that you can join me in this new thing that I'm doing. So, so that's, I'm always asking that I'm concerned about that. I, I see all that in scripture and I look at our culture and I'm, and I'm concerned for my family, my ministry, my, the people that I minister to. And then, um, in 2017, this is in the book, I had a, I had a, what I consider a prophetic dream. So I, I dream a lot. Um, it doesn't, it's not all prophetic, meaning it doesn't all have a message from God. See, prophecy is a message from God, right? Prophecy is a message from God. If, if we look at the basic, uh, definition of that word, I don't, I probably have, I don't claim to have dreams all the time. I usually have one or two a year that I absolutely know are from God, because as I'm waking up, this is just how it happens to me. It is a, is a supernatural phenomenon. Absolutely. Um, but I'll be waking up from the dream and I will hear God in the still, still small voice in my heart and in my mind, giving me an interpretation of the dream. And so in 2017, I had this, I had this dream that was a little bit frightening to me, frankly. And, um, and I had this dream that I was at, I was walking into this huge auditorium and there was a, 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 like a boxing type ring in the center. It'd be like going into one of those hotels and you're going to see a a prize fight. And I knew that it was the heavyweight championship of the world. And as I'm standing Mm. in this little row between, between the bleachers, you know, I'm like the walkway, all of a sudden there's this uproar and, and these two prize fighters walk by me. One of them is younger and he just walks right by me, ignores me just, and I, I don't really see his face. I don't really see him very well. The other one walks slowly, looks me in the eye. And, and this one is a prize fighter from years ago that I recognize. And I, and I wasn't sure what, after I woke up and I wrote down the dream, this is my habit. If I have a dream that I know is from the Lord, I write it all down right away. Cause otherwise I forget the details and I can't pray into sure. it. Cause I always want to pray before I, I just don't go off telling people I had this and this is what it means. This is what you ought to do. I pray for a long time and I ask God to give me scripture because listen, if prophecy is not founded in scripture, it's not pro- prophetic. It's your opinion or it's your fantasy or it's something else. And you'll mislead people. And this is a really serious thing, the gift of prophecy. So mm. I think it was like Joe Lewis or some or somebody like that. And uh, and uh, or who's the guy, you know, who's the guy who does the, you know, that that fryer commercial? 
George Foreman. Yeah, the yes, George Foreman grill. The Foreman grill, right? It was a cross between like yeah. George Foreman, Joe Lu that like that, and um, and he's 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 an old guy. His face shows his age. He's very old, but his body was firm and muscular and powerful. I can't even under I can't even describe to you the feeling I had. This power and um. And I knew he was way past his prime. What the heck, you know? And, but he was powerful. And I said to him, you know, how is it that you are so fit and powerful? How, how did this come to be? You know, and he said, by, by, by diligence and training and a very strict uh, regimen or, or routine. And I, and I, I, was like, oh, you know, so he gets into the ring and I, I know it's the heavyweight championship of the world. And all of a sudden the scene changes and I'm like behind the camera uh, watching this fight and this, this female person um, dressed like a geisha. And I, you know, and why, I don't know. When I look up geisha, when I look up that, it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, someone who's, who's dressed in sort of a, almost like a masquerade or something painted and all of that kind of mm. thing. And it doesn't mean that it's Japanese or any of that kind of thing. This was not an ethnic, an ethnic anything. It was just the, how God showed me so that I could understand. And, um, and all of a sudden she pulls out a gun and I'm screaming, it's a gun, it's a gun. The gun goes off and like in slow motion, I see the bullet whiz past the, the ring and I knew it missed. And I, and I woke up and as I woke up, I, the Lord just said that Jezebel had has waged war against the church and that the two fighters mm. represented the cultural struggle and violent division in the church, within the church, because of a compromised gospel. That the gospel was being compromised with the culture, that it was compromised by a lack of diligence training and a strict routine and, and that we were sin sick and weak because of it compromised and we had little strength to endure. And I, and I was undone and I was concerned mm. because I love, oh, that makes me cry. I love the church and I love the people of God and I could see already I don't, you know, it doesn't take a prophet to see that, to, to see the trouble that we were already coming into in 2017, that things were mm. already heating up and that, you know, that are, especially in our nation, but in the world, I love geopolitics. I read geopolitics all the time. And, um, because I, I, I love to, to think about and look at, you know, the power struggles going on between nations and, um, and you, you could already see things heating up and building up. And I am concerned for the church regarding their endurance. And so when that happened to me and I had that dream, um, I started pressing in in prayer, interceding for the church and asking God, how do we prepare the church? How do we speak into this? What does this mean for the church? How would you explain it, God? What, what are you, what are you doing? And how do you bring, how do you, how do I ground this in scripture? And that was when I started hearing the phrase over and over in my heart and mind. And, you know, I, I have an education in theology. So, so I think in scripture, I really do. It's, it's everything. Scripture sure. is, 
the foundation of everything. And um, it comes, it comes first before the prophetic. I ground everything in scripture. And I started hearing that passage of scripture from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence. And so then I began my study. Mm. And that's how this book came about is that started with a prophetic, um, a prophetic warning, so to speak from the Lord, which, which got me interceding and praying, which gave me passages scripture. And as I began to study the scripture, I knew how it all went together. And then I wrote the book. So many questions. I have so many questions. Uh, let's start here because I, I think that there's somebody who's listening to the words that you're saying and they're like, that's incredible. And, um, and I want to know how I'm built as well, right? Because you, you said in, um, in there that you, you were built to be concerned. Um, yeah. and, and I know a little bit of your story. I know a little bit of your history. Uh, obviously that wasn't a realization you've always had. I'm, no. I'm curious how you came to a place to know that you were built to carry this burden for the church and, and for, um, the culture and h- how do people get to know what they're built for? That is such a great question. You know, God doesn't waste anything in our lives. And um, we don't Mm. suddenly have to become a different person to, uh, to receive and fulfill the call that is on our lives. And I think that so many for so many years in the church, um, we sort of misunderstood this thing called calling, you know, and, and if you had a calling, then you were, uh, you were called to be a pastor in a church. And that was basically what was open to you, Mm -hmm. you know, and the rest of us just sort of served. And, um, but I think that we are discovering now that, um, that we are all called, we all have a task. Um, and the task is the mission of Christ. And we each Mm. were formed in our mother's womb. Psalm one to one thirty nine, right. Says that we were knit together in our mother's womb. Jeremiah uh, in chapter one said, you know, that before you formed me in my womb, you know, you called me. And um, so so as we are being knit together in our mother's womb, we each have been created with a certain personality. We are born into a certain history, a certain family, a certain area, a certain nation. You know, we 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 um, we grow up under with certain circumstances that form and shape our lives and our experience. Um, And then comes uh, those moments when we encounter Christ uh, in, in experiences that we can't always explain that, that I would call Mm. supernatural. Others may just call an unfolding of, of the mystery of God in our lives. And, and as we begin to, um, as we begin to really, open our eyes to this fact that that Jesus is the one who has brought us this far and will continue to bring us farther. We begin to look at all those aspects in our life and seek him for, you know, so seek, seek the kingdom first and these things will be added to you. So as we begin to seek the kingdom, he starts to make clear who we are, so to speak, meaning, yeah. meaning, 
how I'm built, how I, how I look at things, how I, you know, we don't throw out the humanness is what I'm trying to say. We are, we are human, but when we receive Christ, we become more fully human. And as we are, as we are sanctified day by day, and we walk this thing called, called Christianity, and we follow Jesus, really follow Jesus. And, and Tony, you know, man, that is the hardest, the, the simplest thing and the hardest thing we will ever do you know, is really follow Jesus Amen. and not play the game. You know, like you said, I think you said when we first came yeah. on, there's, there's going to church and then there's following Jesus, you know, and so yeah. listening for the Holy Spirit, following those unctions, those littles, that little still small voice and, and those leadings of the spirit every day lead us further and further into understanding who we are. And then for many of us and for most of us, if we're really listening, God will bring that moment when he brings it all together. And we have that agogic moment, we call that in theology, that aha moment where we suddenly have this knowing that we couldn't have known before. But it's it's the Holy Spirit bringing us revelation revealing to some us revealing to us something that we could not know anywhere you know jeremiah 33 3 right ask of me and i will show you great and mighty things that you could not have known and so god will reveal something more about who you are and what he has for you so so i would say this all of us are called to mark 16 15 to 18 right Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And for those who believe in my name, you'll cast out demons. You will speak with other tongues. You know, you'll, you'll be under my protection and you'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So people ask me, Kim, what's my calling? Well, start there. You know, uh, Matthew 28, yeah. he says, go into all the world, right? And baptize, you know, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything that I taught you. What did, what did Jesus teach the disciples? You know, he didn't just teach them that I'm going to, I'm going to come, you know, I'm going to be born of a virgin. I'm going to walk the earth. I'm going to have a ministry. I'm going to, I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to rise again three days later. He also taught them to go into every town, you know, and heal the sick, cast out demons, preach the gospel and tell them the kingdom of God has come, you know? And so Mm. these are all the things this is being a disciple is, is not just uh, the sanctification process. It's also being empowered by the Holy Spirit and then doing the, the mighty words and the mighty works that Jesus did. And this is for disciples in all age. This is what, what we receive when we receive the poured out Holy Spirit. So, so start with those things. And then as you go, he will reveal to you more and more. For me, it happened as with a when I received what in Pentecostal, see, I, I actually am uh, ordained with a Pentecostal denomination, and we would call it the baptism with the Holy Spirit because I'm part of Foursquare Church, yeah. and that was Amy Simple McPherson and all of those early uh, Pentecostals. You know, that was that was the name they had for it, and so um, and so don't be put off by you know initial evidence, and I have to speak in tongues and all of that because. Um, there are differences in opinion on that, and um, and you can you can hold those differences of, of opinion. The important thing is, is that you receive the poured out Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit draws us to salvation, and then and then He does fill us and empower us to be witnesses. And so, 
but when I received the Holy Spirit, I had a radical, <laughs> I had a radical transformation. I've never been the same. It was so radical. My husband was like, who are you? What'd you do with my wife? <laughs> and, uh, and I was really scary to him in the beginning because he hadn't had the encounter, you know, but I had a supernatural yeah. encounter and the Lord actually told me, um, I mean, I, I, the first time I heard the voice of God was the audible voice of God. And it scared me, uh, scared me because I had no grid for that. And I had no idea that that could happen. I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't waiting for it. I wasn't praying for it. Actually, I was in the darkest time of my life and I was very, very far from God and I was living a life of sin. And, um, but then later when he, when I received my calling, you know, I, I had been a nurse. Mm. I thought that I was going to do that the rest of my life. I trained for it and I loved, I was a labor and delivery nurse. Um, but I encountered, I encountered the Lord and he told me he was going to send me around the world to preach and prophesy and, um, and teach and, um, to the nations. And I had no idea how in the world are you going to do that? I'm, I'm a mom of three little kids in a little tiny town, a little tiny church. I'm basically the mom from Moore Park. I'm a nurse married to a fireman. You know, we're going to work 30 years and then go on vacation the rest of our life. What do you mean you're going to do this? Right. You know? <laughs> uh, but it was such a strong encounter and it was so absolutely all consuming and so real to me, I said, yes. And he, he absolutely changed my life. Um, and I, I knew over time it developed over probably the first 10 years of following him in allowing mm -hmm. him to do all of those things in my life that he wanted to do that. I came to understand that, um, the prophetic portion of me was, I had an assignment. So see, we have an overarching call, right? But then, but then um, yeah. usually God will use us according to the person we are, the place where we're at, our personality, the people that we are involved with to fulfill an assignment. And I know, knew my assignment was to help the church understand the time and season and to be able to participate with God in how he was moving in that time and season. Do our assignments shift in seasons, right? Do, are, are we, is it one of those things where uh, we have an overarching calling and then maybe, maybe you do that for a season and then your assignment shifts to something else? How, how do we, how do we kind of work through that? And, and for somebody who's listening that might be in the midst of transition, and I, I get a sense that there's a lot of that happening in the midst of the pandemic, at the tail end of the pandemic, you know, that um, how do we know when an assignment is over and when the next one starts? That is such a good question and, and absolutely true. Um, you will have a life mission. So you will have, you will have a, a call, a mission um, that lasts your entire life and that you will not fulfill um, except mm. with your whole life. But your assignments and your various roles will change. So let's take something simple and easy to understand. Um, I'm a woman and so motherhood. Right. And so, right. you know, I get married. I'm a young woman. I get married. I have three little babies. And trust me, there's not much else I could do at the, at the time. <laughs> right. And so. Right. No, um, that's I right. Know, right. So I when my children were um, uh, school age, school age children was when I received the call, they hadn't even reached teenagehood and um, and their their uh, needs of me were of first importance, you know, because, uh, mm. my, 
my need to keep my life with Jesus fresh and connected and intimate is my first priority. My second priority is my marriage and my family, you know, and then my third priority is my ministry and except in extraordinary times when God asks you, but he'll be very clear about that. When you are sowing the time that you would normally spend with your family, you're sowing it in ministry because it's an extraordinary moment, but it won't be all of it. And I think that we have seen throughout history, those who have, who have put family behind ministry has destroyed their family. And, and, Hmm. and in my personal opinion, that's, that's not really um, what, that's not really God, right? So we want our families also to come along the journey and be involved in the kingdom work. Um, And so I, there were modifications, I would say, to to the role that I would play in in the call on my life, because I also my assignment was also for my children to make sure that they are mm. they are stable and they are filled and they are also receiving from me. So so your role and your assignment will change. And then there's also, for example, I was a pastor in a church for several years, and during that time, um, you know, I. I ministered to a local church congregation and I, I was the number two guy. So I was uh, underneath a senior pastor named uh, Reggie Mercado and um, we, we planted church together and, and I helped, uh, I helped him with the vision that was, uh, that he had for this church. And I ministered there for 12 years and it was uh, toward the end of that time, things started to change. And I could feel the transition. Mm. You feel it and you start to wonder what's going on here. Suddenly I'm meeting people who are inviting me to do things outside of the church. And I, and I'm, see, I'm very aware. I'm, I'm always, I'm always aware. I'm always asking the Lord, what is, what does that mean? What does this mean? I knew they were divine appointments. In other words, I knew they were from the Lord. They weren't things that I was thinking. I wasn't sending my resume out. You know, I was very contented in what I was doing and I was serving the Lord. I did know, however, God had said he would take me around the world to preach and to teach and to prophesy. So I had, that hadn't opened up to me yet. And then in the middle of that meeting new people, and, and all of that, I had another prophetic dream because this is how God speaks to me. He may not speak to you that way, but he is speaking to you if you will pay attention. And, um, and I had a dream and in the dream, I knew he was sending me back to school and what happened that very week. See, I, I want to caution you here. None of this is magic. It's not wishful thinking. You know, not magic Mm. in that anything that I wish will come to pass if I wish it hard enough and make all the right prayers and declarations. It's not how it works. God is the initiator. We are following the lead of the Holy Spirit. Things take time and they come in God's timing. And so um, so when God would open a door, I would pray about it and I would move through those open doors. I didn't knock on doors and break doors down and do all that kind of thing. And so, and so, uh, within a week I get this, I get this email about this brand new, uh, doctoral program happening with a man named Randy Clark, who I didn't know at the time or my denomination didn't know him. Uh, my denomination mm. in, in some, uh, places were suspect actually about some of the charismatic portions of, of the body of Christ. And, um, and they were cautious about it. 
And so I was cautious. I didn't know this man. I looked him up and all of this stuff anyway, but I felt the Holy Spirit. I knew the Holy Spirit was leaning. So I, I applied. Well, 280 people applied for 18 positions and mm. I was chosen. I had no control over that. I was wow. chosen. The door opened up. I walked through. When I walked through, I started my studies. I met people like Roland and Heidi Baker. I met Randy Clark. I became good friends with him. He's a he's an, uh, a, a global leader with um, with Global Awake, his organization, Global Awakening. He goes all over the world and, and does healing ministry and these kinds of things, brings lots of salvations. And, um, and I had not moved in healing. I knew about it. I believed in it, but I hadn't really moved in that. Sure. But when I met him, he started inviting me to other nations. And then I started getting invited. Mm. And so you see, I, I know I read the signs. I understood the time and the season. Wow. God was changing my season. It took three years of that doctoral program. At the end of the three years, the invitations were coming such that I couldn't fulfill full-time local church ministry and do this. How did I know how to make the choice? Because the original thing God had said to me 20 years earlier was I was going to take you around wow. the world to preach, to prophesy and teach in the nations. And so I, I, I left my position. I became an itinerant minister at that time. And it was not easy. Those of you who are going through transitions, when you leave things, you let go of things. It feels like loss. I grieved the loss of that, of my local yeah. congregation. Oh, it still pulls on my heart now. Whew. A lot of crying, a lot of grieving. It's good to grieve. We have to grieve losses and then keep moving forward. And, uh, but I, I grieved yeah. that because I loved being a, a local pastor. I loved my people. I loved my leadership team, um, but it was time to go. So isn't it that Isaiah 43, right? Forget the former things. He's not saying, he's not saying don't value what has gone before. God's going to use all of that. But he is saying that we have to be willing to leave leave some things behind and incur those losses in order to move forward and, and to embrace the new things God will bring into our life. So transition is not easy. Right now, I just want to prophesy a little bit over you, but right now the whole world is in transition and we are not seeing yet exactly what's going to come. I will tell you that everything is changing and some things are not going to go back to normal. Most things we haven't gone this way before, just like in, in Josh, we said, we haven't gone this way before we haven't gone this way before, but God is not up. God is not uh, worried, wringing his hands going, I don't know what to do about this. No, he has a plan and he's leading us forward in this time of transition. When we don't exactly see how things are going to, to, uh, to how things are going to turn out. We have to trust God in a way that says, God, I give this into your hand. I'm going to follow you. As, you. as you continue to open things up, I will be open to them. I will be willing to grieve my losses. Mm. And at this point right now, just do what is in your hand. Just keep doing what you know to do. Don't throw anything away just yet. And as God begins to move you out of things and divide things from you, because listen, it is going to happen. There are relationships you'll be need to leave behind. There are maybe jobs you will need to change. Some of you probably have already lost a job. I, it's very difficult. And we need to trust God and ask him to supply and to sustain us because he will. And then he will open up something new. Keep moving forward. Keep trusting God as hard as it is. 
God is moving in this time with all the violence. So the book is all about the violence that we see needs to be assigned to us. It's nothing new. It's mm. happened from the beginning of scripture, from the beginning of time. God begins to move. And as God begins to move, the enemy opposes and he opposes God's people. Why? He wants you to sit down, shut up, take your ball and go home and not participate mm. in what God is doing to advance the kingdom of God in this time. Amen. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, you talk about in the book um, about us being a violent people, Christians yeah. being a violent people. You talk about violent love, violent grace, yeah. violent faith. I, I would love for you to give us um, some context on how the calling on the Christian's life, the, the people who are listening right now to be violent. Well, it stems out of really... Um what Jesus says to John when he asks this question, John is in prison and uh, the context for the passage of scripture, uh, the kingdom of God suffers violence. John is in, John is in prison and he sends his disciples mm. to Jesus because um, he's suffering. He's suffering violence at the hands of a, uh, a corrupt King. He is, uh, he is unjustly, accused and he is facing violent opposition because he has been announcing that a new king and kingdom are here and uh and mm. he has been preparing the way for the kingdom of god and he's been preparing the way for jesus he's done nothing wrong he's given his entire life to fulfill the call that is on his life and now he is suffering violence and soon after this passage of scripture jesus too is going to suffer violence by going to the cross and so John, as he's watching all the things about Jesus and he, and he's thinking about all the things he knows about the messianic expectation that comes out of scriptures, out of the Hebrew scriptures, you know, they didn't have the new Testament. It's easy for us to look at scripture and go, right. well, I don't know what those disciples were thinking. My goodness. I mean, you know, they, we, they had it, right? Jesus, they're walking with Jesus. They're seeing all these things, but you know, they didn't have the new Testament interpretations of everything Jesus was doing. They had, they had the Hebrew scriptures and everything the prophets had said and everything that was contained in the Pentateuch, the first five mm. books written by Moses. And they had, and they had the, the historical books and they had the Old Testament scriptures. And so John is thinking, wow, I'm, uh, I, you know, when the Messiah comes, he's basically going to lead a sort of a, a sort of a military revolution and he's going to make things right. He's going to cleanse the corruption in the religious community. And he's going to overcome uh, the corruption in the political and the pagan communities. And he's going to restore Israel to its glory. And we're going to be the people of God. And we're mm -hmm. going to sort of basically uh, run things, you know, a theocratic sort of society. And, uh, and Jesus isn't doing any of that. He's not, hmm. he's not doing what, what David did. He's not doing what Moses did. He's not doing what Elijah did. He's not, he's not doing all these things that they expect. He's not, he's not doing the things that they expected as they had interpreted scripture. And so Jesus is, is scandalizing, you know, so Jesus went, so he, he said, he's scandalizing their, their understanding, even of the scriptures. Wow. You know? Mm. And, uh, and so John is like, wait a minute. Okay. 
Listen, it isn't because John is unwilling to give his life for the Lord. He gave his whole life already. So he, I think he's willing to die, but it's like, am I dying for the right thing here? You know, <laughs> am yeah. I, is this really what, how it's going to go on? And, and I've given my endorsement to this guy who doesn't seem to be doing the things that I'm doing. He's, he should be doing. And, and yeah, if he does all those things, probably I would get free from this. And, uh, and so he's having a crisis of faith really. And he's, and so he sends his disciples to Jesus and he says, wait a minute, are you the one that's coming or should I be looking for another, you know, and his, his, hmm. that it's all, it's laced with all of this doubt, you know, and, and I, what I love about it is that he's being a human. He's having a human experience yeah. and he's not, John was incredible. And he's the, the prophet who, who's preparing the way of the Lord. And yet he's so human in this moment. Aren't we all human? And don't we have these same encounters where we go, wow, I, I thought God that you would show up in like this. I thought Jesus, if I followed you, you would, you would do this. I thought, listen, my own mother I, I've gone around the world and I've seen incredible healings and miracles. I've seen I've seen people lame for years since they were children and now they're adults get up out of wheelchairs, like absolute miracles, unexplainable except the power of God. And um, but when I laid hands on my own mother, who was violently dying with cancer, she did not recover. Mm -hmm. She was healed by going to Jesus because she was a Christian, you know. And it was hard mm. for me and I suffered and she suffered. We experienced violence. And, um, and so Jesus gives this witness to John when he sends back as you go and tell John this, the blind see the lame walk, the dead are raised and the good news is preached to the poor. And then he says this curious thing. He says, and blessed is the one who's not offended by me. And that word offended is scandalized, scandal, scandalizo mm. in the Greek. And in the root of that word, when you, when you follow it, see, it's an entrapment. The enemy brings this enticement to be offended. Mm. And what it really means is that you are being enticed or entrapped in unbelief because Jesus isn't wow. showing up the way you thought, because he's not doing this the way that you expected. And John's expectation goes unmet. Aren't we all like that? Doesn't that happen to, when we face injustice, when we face false accusation? Listen, I, I know many people right now who've been falsely accused on their jobs and then pushed out. You know, how many of us have, have suffered injustices in so many ways, right? And so Jesus gives this witness about him, says, but says, don't be offended, John, but look at what I'm doing. I am fulfilling the scriptures. It just doesn't look the way you the way you thought, because I'm not taking over. I'm not taking over the government of a pagan nation. It's not how I'm doing it, but I'm one by one bringing the kingdom and creating a new creation and person to person, to person, to person, to person. And there, and the violence that we suffer as people is being overcome. And so when I say that we become the violent, what I'm trying to say is that, see, we experience, wow, man, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. We experience the darkness 
because Satan is the ruler of this age and he has brought sin, sickness and violence with illness and and sin and and twisting of the culture and all of these things into the world. And we suffer in those those ways. And that's the violence that we that is in the world. That's the violence that is in the world. That mm. the, I mean, think about all the things, right? Abortion and racism and the political divisions we're seeing right now and and the oppression of people. And I mean, let's go further. Let's bring it out further. And let's think about, about bride burning in India. Yeah. You know, let's think about child sex trafficking and and child brides listen in other countries children girls as young as nine are being married to 40 year olds you know mm. against their will like they don't have a choice you know i mean let's think about the terrorism and i'm not talking about uh, you know just christian persecution but but listen uh muslims have been persecuted catholics have been persecuted jews have been mm. persecuted there there are people that are that are persecuted and and in an unholy ways ways that that break the heart of god and this is all say it's 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 satanic agenda it's not god's agenda Amen. this it's because of the brokenness and the sin sickness of our world when adam fell in the garden and so i wanted people to understand that when I say I wanted to call the book Kingdom Violence, but but my publisher's so good, you know, they're like, they're gonna think that I'm talking <laughs> about people taking up arms and getting violent, right? And um, nothing could be further from right. the truth when you read the gospels. Yeah. The best illustration um that I found, you know, besides the Sermon on the Mount, but we need to go back and read the Sermon on the Mount, is is Jesus in the garden, you know, he's about to go to the cross. It's so poignant. He's about to go to the cross. He's been up all night. He's, he's wept and cried out to God and said, if this cup can pass from me, but, but thy will be done, not mine. And, um, and he's, mm. he's submitted himself to the Lord. He knows he's going to be going to the cross and the soldiers so, show up to take him. Right. And these are the ones that are going to spit on him and mock him and humiliate him and beat him. He's going to be taken for scourging, which is, you know, being whipped with shards of glass on mm. the end of leather straps. And his, his flesh is going to be torn from his body. And it's not going to be a, a momentary thing. It's going to last for hours and days, you know, and then he's going to be nailed to a cross the most brutal death. And anyone can, it, you know, could have devised in that day. It's brutal and it's ugly. And it's, and, and so the very ones who are going to bring him to that come into the garden, it's time to go. And Peter, God bless him. You know, he whips out a sword and he cuts off the ear, right. Of the, of one of the soldiers, you know, he, he missed, I'm sure he was trying to cut off his head. <laughs> and, um, but you know, God bless Peter. He's a fisherman. You know, but he's he's trying his best because right. he hasn't really understood. He ha it just shows he hasn't really understood. And and Jesus said, you know, bring a sword for the journey. But was because because when we are armed like that, um, our hearts are exposed and our motives are exposed and and our misunderstandings mm. are exposed. And he cuts off the ear. And what does Jesus do? He he bends down. He takes the ear and he and he heals his enemy. I mean, mm. is anything more beautiful than that? Why? Because, because he loves his enemy and he's showing us another way. And so the violent take it by force. We are now, Jesus said, 
Jesus said to John, he said to the people who were listening at that, in that passage, you know, that, um, John, John is a great man, no greater person, no greater man has been born of women, but even the least in the kingdom is greater. Why? Because the Holy Spirit would be poured out and we would be able to do the mighty words and works of Jesus. And those works are violent. They push back darkness. How do they push back darkness? Mm. Because where where the enemy has ravaged ravaged people with sickness, we heal them. Where he's ravaged people with death, we raise them from the dead, whether that's through the preaching of the gospel or actual mm. raising of the dead and the Holy Spirit bringing new life and resurrecting them from the dead. Um, we, we preach the gospel to the poor. It's the good news of the gospel. We, we deliver them from demons because, because listen, mm. demonic oppression is real. You know, listen, I tell a story in the book. I was in, I was, I can't tell you the country or the name because it's not okay. But I, I laid hands on the, on a young woman and, uh, yeah. you know, the Lord said, I, I want to touch her and I want to increase her anointing. And I'm like, okay, listen, I can't increase anybody's anointing. I want you to know, but the Holy spirit in me, the Lord wanted me to lay hands on her. I wasn't exactly sure how or why, but he wanted me to pray for her that she would receive this from the Holy spirit. The minute I lay hands on her, I have never seen anything like it before or after. And I've seen lots of demons go and I have, I have done deliverance before. It's not my favorite ministry. Trust me. I don't like demons, um, but her face distorted and her hands distorted and she looked like a gargoyle. And I'm not kidding you when I say that it was, it was wow. gruesome and it was strange and it was scary. And she started to, she got down on all fours and she started to growl at me. And I mean, like growl mm. at me. I mean, we're in the midst of, of a group of people and I'm like, oh, okay. And in that moment, I was concerned for her reputation when we minister to people, we have to care. You know, I, I, I don't like the kind of deliverance ministry that is like showing off and we start screaming at them and make people flop around. Listen, God cares. God cared. She, she was a minister in that group. I didn't want her reputation to be, and I didn't want gossip starting about her. And so I got down on my knees and I, and I, with all the authority, I could muster up the authority of Christ. I said, be silent and it stopped. And then I led her through deliverance and she got gloriously delivered. But listen, that came because she had been abused when she was a kid. And then she had abu mm. been abused further and had gotten into some sin as a teenager. And even though she was saved and now serving the Lord, the enemy had come in and attached. And so anyway, so we, I brought her through deliverance and that increases your anointing, trust me. And, um, so these kinds of things are real and people are afflicted with all kinds of things. And that is the violence of the world because the enemy, the Satan is the ruler of this world. The violence of the kingdom looks like Jesus. It looks like going from town to town, person to person, wherever you at, listen, you don't have to go to Africa, wherever you're at the grocery store, your household, you know, your school, whatever. And it looks like praying for people, ministering to them, pushing back darkness in their lives, healing their relationships, healing their bodies, healing their minds, healing their hearts, healing, you know, delivering them from the demonic. It looks like all of those things. We are the violent who take it by force. Woo. Amen. I'm here for Amen. all of that. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> it is. Um,
Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, Kim, I, I have one more question to ask you, but before I do that, um, I know that my listeners are going to want to find you and learn more about uh, this brand new resource coming out. What's the best place on the interwebs to learn all about um, your ministry? I'll go to kimmoss.com. That's my website. And you can find out all about me there. You can find all of my resources. You can even pre-order this book. Um, I have uh, two books published by Chosen, and then I have about four or five resources, I think, that are um, self-published. And uh, I, there are e-courses that you can take to prepare you. I even have a workbook with an e-course for you to uh, begin to work with the Holy Spirit to create a strategy for your life so that you know how to move forward and get your assignment, uh, get your assignment for the new season. Um, you can find me on Facebook, of course, Kim Moss Ministries. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter. I think on Twitter, I'm PK Moss, uh, because I think I did my account when I was Pastor Kim Moss and uh, now I'm Dr. Kim Moss. Yeah. And, um, so you can find me in all of those places. Uh, you can get in touch with me through hello at kimmoss.com If you are, you know, wanting to find out more about, uh, where I go to speak and all that. My itiner, my itinerary is on my, is on my uh, website, of course, right now with COVID. <laughs> yeah, that's been interesting. <laughs> and, uh, I do have well, a podcast yeah. as well. Move forward with Dr. Kim Moss on Charisma Podcast Network. You can find it on iTunes and all those places. Love it. And we'll link to all of that in the show notes. So if, if you want to get connected with her, please uh, check out our show notes. And uh, you can also look at our full transcripts, which will be here with so many good things. Uh, I had a full page of notes and a whole bunch of questions I never even got to. But uh, okay, last question I always love to ask people is an advice question. Okay. And to give yourself one piece of advice, except I get to take you to a very specific time. Okay. And so um, I, I'm going to ask, what would you go back and, and give yourself um, on the day after your big Holy Spirit conversion day. So I, I think in my notes, it's March 22nd, 1994 is yes. when you had your big conversion day. And so I wonder what advice would you go back and give young Kim on March 23rd? Probably the thing that I uh, learned several years later, I would have liked to learn much earlier on. And uh, that was uh, in the midst of, of a transition, uh, there was a falling apart of the ministry that I was a part of. And um, I was very green in things called ministry. I had been in business and, mm -hmm. you know, in the secular world for years. Um, and I, um, I really did not understand how to, how to uh, navigate political situations within ministry contexts. And, uh, I got very emotional and then I made, uh, I made decisions and reacted out of my emotions. And the Lord came to me and said, Kimmy, I don't want you ever again to re react out of your emotion. I want you to respond with wisdom. What that means, uh, what it meant to me, what I understood God was saying to me was that, um, there will be situations that I was going to face that would be highly emotional and they would feel highly personal in each and every one of those before I open my mouth. Cause I don't know if you can tell, but I have a very strong personality. <laughs> I'm very direct and uh, all of that, a very I'm strong will and um, which has, you know, had many good uses as we go along. However, um, um, 
what that meant to me was that always before responding, pull back, get a bigger picture, ask the Lord before I open my mouth and respond. So respond rather than react. Because sometimes when we react, mm. we just make matters worse. And uh, not only that, but um, that it created uh, for me um, sort of a whirlwind then of activity that I didn't need to uh, encounter. And that was my mm. part. So um, in dealing with that whole situation, I discovered um, that that there are certain situations that I will be a part of that God has put me there to speak wisdom into. And I can't do that if I'm letting my emotions drive the bus. Doesn't mean don't have emotions. God, God gives us emotions and those are indicators of how yeah. we're feeling and what we're experiencing. Um, but not everybody needs to be privy to that and we can't react out of that. So um, wisdom. Wisdom is the primary thing. You need that from the very, very beginning. That's a really good word. Uh, Kim, thank you so much for your generosity today, for your time, for the work you're doing for the kingdom of God and for this brand new resource. Um, I just truly, truly appreciate it. I told you guys, what a great conversation. I love Kim's heart. I love the way she hears from the Lord. I love the way that she speaks into culture in such a profound and prophetic way. I think so many of us have this ability and we just don't tap into it because we don't build up that relationship muscle with God. So I don't know what you're listening to or maybe even who you're listening to, but let's make some space for God in our lives. Again, I don't want you to miss any of our upcoming episodes, including next week with uh, world-famous best-selling author Rachel Cruz uh, from the Dave Ramsey Network. So excited for you to listen to that conversation and so many more coming down the pike. Hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review, and share this episode with a friend. And as always, remember, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.